Hey, this is Eric Phillips, the youth pastor at Launch Point Church, and I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, challenges you, and shows you that God sees and cares about you right where you are. Thanks again, and enjoy the message. We're going to start a new series tonight called Pioneers, all right? And when I, when I came across this, I thought of like uh, Paul Bunyan, or no, Christopher Columbus. Paul Bunyan was the guy who chopped trees down. Um, and Christopher Columbus and George Washington and all these guys who founded America and settled it. And, and you think of great pioneers all over the world. And so I came across this idea because as we entered into this, this new season of Launch Youth, I began to ask God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to teach about? What do you want us to learn? And I really felt like God wanted us to learn what being a pioneer really meant. Um, because the idea of a pioneer is just simply someone who is the first to explore a new area. And so for those of you who maybe don't know, that we aren't the first church that has ever moved their youth service to Sunday nights. I don't know if you guys know that. If you didn't know that, now you know. Um, but we are the first time the launch youth has ever done it. And so this is new to everybody. So for you students who maybe, this is your, I know all of you already, but for new students as they come in, this is new to all of us as we were setting up before service and we were kind of trying to figure it out as we went because this is a new experience for everybody. And so as we enter into this new season, I wanted us to enter it together as a ministry, as pioneers, if you will. Because we're the first, you guys are going to be the first students, you guys are going to be the only students to ever say that you were in Launch U's first ever Sunday night service. And so hold that, hold on to that, and know that you are part of the pioneering that God is doing in this ministry. And as we look at this idea, we're going to look at one of the greatest pioneers in the Bible, and that's Moses. So you guys have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're only going to read a couple of verses tonight. But as we read about Moses, I really want us to understand that we're talking about you. So we're going to look at Moses' life to understand some principles about God, but know that in your life, write this down, I am a pioneer. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I am a pioneer. And you say, well, no, I'm not. For some of you, you are. For some of you, you might be the first person in your family, or this might be the first time you've ever taken the idea of being a Christian seriously. For some of you, you've already embarked on your first job. Some of you, you've had your first boyfriend or girlfriend. Life is full of so many firsts. Some of you, you might be the first person in your family to go to college. Some of you might be your first person in your family to not go to college. At some point in your life, you're going to have a pioneer moment where you step into this new thing that God has for you, and you're not going to know exactly what to do. And when you get there, I want you to remember this series and remember these lessons and know that you are a pioneer. Life is pool, pool, Life is full of pioneer moments. And as we explore this idea of being pioneers, know that we're looking at Moses, but we're talking about you and me. And tonight I want to talk about this idea. If you're taking notes, the title is The Pioneer's Purpose. The Pioneer's Purpose. Because as we look at Moses, before we can ever talk about anything that he did, we need to talk about the purpose that Moses had. And the best way to start, at least in the Old Testament, with figuring out somebody's purpose is to look at how they were born. And that's what we find in Exodus chapter 2, is the birth of Moses. Who, who has ever heard of Moses? Anybody? A few of you guys have. If you haven't, he's in the Old Testament. He's a pretty big deal. He's a pretty cool guy. Um, Exodus chapter 2. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I have a purpose. I'm going to have you guys start talking to your neighbor more so it keeps you awake and so that you remember what I need you to remember. So look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I have a purpose. The pioneer's purpose. 
I'm going to give you guys a little bit of backstory real quick on Moses. What's happened is there was a great famine in Egypt, and there was this guy named Joseph who was actually sold to Egypt in slavery, ended up working his way up through the ranks of the Egyptian government and became like second to Pharaoh, one of the greatest leaders in Egyptian history, but he was a Hebrew. And then when the Egyptian people went through this severe drought and they were starving to death because of the blessing that God had on Joseph, he saved the nation through what he was able to do through Joseph. And so we see this great abundance. So a lot of people wonder, how did the Egyptians end up in slavery? Or sorry, how did the Israelites end up in slavery in Egypt? Well, it's actually quite simple. They were brought there because God was blessing them so abundantly that the Egyptians wanted some of it. And so they brought them there so that they might survive this famine that they were going through. And then what ends up happening is, is where we find ourselves in Exodus. They grew in so much number, and the, the, the people of God, the, the, the Hebrew people, were such a large number that they actually outnumbered the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were like, man, if we don't take care of this soon, they're going to they're gonna run us out and kill all of us, which the Hebrew people had no intentions of doing that. But that's what the Egyptians thought. And so then Pharaoh decides, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make them slaves. Because if I can make their life terrible, they'll stop having kids. And then we'll have sort of like a population control, if you will. And then, spoiler alert, that doesn't actually work. So then he decides what I'm going to do is I'm going to have every Hebrew boy that's born killed. Because for anyone who doesn't know, um, it takes a man and a woman to have a child. And so if you can eliminate one of the two, you fix a population problem. But it's easier to get rid of the men because as they got older, the men would be more likely to fight. So if you had a population of all women, it's much easier to control when you have all men and they have all women and you have this army. And so that's what is happening here. And we read this in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. That means they're Hebrews. This woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby. Every mom thinks their baby is special because they are. And kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket of papyrus, I think, reeds, and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She made this basket, and she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her mate to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. God, thank you for your word. I pray over the next, these next few minutes, Holy Spirit, that you would shut my mouth and open our ears to be able to receive whatever it is you have for us. God, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's what's going on, right? This Hebrew woman has had this baby. She decides, I have to keep it in hiding, because if they find out about it, they'll kill him. So she keeps him in hiding for three months. And then after three months, she says, I can't keep this baby hidden anymore. I'm going to have to get rid of it. Because if I hold on to it, I might lose it. And so she builds this little basket, puts him in the river, and pushes him off down the river. It gets washed up in the reeds somewhere. And the baby's sister, the older sibling, was watching the basket float along. Saw it get stuck in the, we in the reeds and just waited. Pharaoh's sister comes down to take a bath, sees it. All this stuff happens. She says, you know, it's a Hebrew baby. I can't take care of it. 
and she gives it back to the baby's mom. She nurses it and takes care of it, and then when it's older, she takes it to Egypt. And we find out that this baby is Moses, but Moses is born into a predicament. Point number one, Moses was in a predicament. If you're taking notes, write that down. Moses was in a predicament. See, the people of Israel were in Egypt, and Moses' life was literally on the line, and he was just a baby. Y'all ever seen a baby? Ever heard a baby? If you haven't, you can right now. Um, Try keeping a, how, how old is Sailor? Two months. Literally, I couldn't have picked a better illustration. You know, uh, I didn't ask her to cry, but I'm glad that she is, actually. Um, it makes the point, right? Moses' mom has him and is immediately in a predicament. What am I going to do with this? Because there's this love and this attachment there, but she also knows that what has happened now is she's brought this, this life into the world, and there's a possibility that he could be taken away. Moses was born into a predicament. And when it comes to your purpose, when it comes to you pioneering into whatever the next thing God has for your life, it may not look fun and easy. Moses was born into a predicament. And some of you guys have been born into predicaments that are out of your control. See, because Moses' predicament had nothing to do with Moses. It actually had to do with the people that came before him but he had no control over it. Does that make sense? And so for some of you, the situations that you find yourself in in life that seem difficult and they seem hard to go through may not even be your fault. Can I alleviate this some of, to some of y'all that if your home life isn't what you would want it to be, that doesn't mean that you're a bad kid. Some of us just have home lives that just simply aren't our fault. And I get it. You know, uh, I talk with students all the time. Um, you know, I was... I was lucky enough, I knew both of my parents, but my parents weren't married. Um, but I, I know students who have been adopted. And Moses was adopted. And I know a lot of us have faced troubles in our life, but, and, and if you have, I need you to tell me now, how many of us have ever been in a, in a predicament where somebody said, at you at three months old, I'm going to kill that baby if I get my hands on him? I've had, I've had issues in my life, but ain't nobody tried to kill me when I was three months old. Y'all see what I'm saying? Moses was born into a predicament, and the purpose that God has for your life might be found in a predicament. And it wasn't his fault. See, we talked already about the backstory of kind of why the Hebrew people were being hunted down like that. And it wasn't Moses' fault. Moses found himself in a predicament. But see, I wrote this down because I think it's interesting that before Pharaoh decided, I'm going to kill the children, He said, I'm just going to make them slaves. Because I think the enemy works in our lives like this. The enemy is not set out to kill you. The Bible says he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. So eventually, he'll do his best. But I think it's it's, it's more of a victory for the enemy. Instead of just killing you, if he can just keep you here and away from God. You see what I mean? Because if, if you die, if you spiritually die... Nobody really wins. I mean, the enemy ultimately wins, but it's like you're dead. There was really no competition there. What is, more, what is more of a show of power, to kill someone or to make someone your slave? You see what You guys kind of get what I'm going? And so Pharaoh was like, I don't want to kill the Hebrew people. I actually want to make them my slaves in hopes that maybe they won't want to continue to grow. And they continue to grow so much and so powerful that that's when he decided to go. And all of that was decided before Moses was even born. Moses was born into a predicament, but Moses still had a purpose, even in his predicament. And then we see this story kind of unfold. Point number two, God watched over Moses. 
And in your predicament, can I tell you that God watches over you and the purpose that he has on your life. He gave you that purpose and then watches over that purpose. I, read, I had to read the story about 10 times because I, I'm, not very, I'm not a very good reader um, and, it, and it didn't make sense to me at first, so I kind of had to act it out and I'm not going to have anyone come act it out, but I want to kind of show you guys what's happened here. So when she decides, you know what, this baby's too big, I can no longer take care of it. She says, I have to let it go. She kept him hidden for as long as she can, but she makes the basket and places it in the river in hopes that someone will care for it. And I want to ask you guys, can you take what you think is what God wants for you and trust him enough to put it in the basket? Think about that. Can I take what, what I feel like God has for me and trust him enough to place it in the basket? Because, see, I've never had a kid, okay? So I can't, I can't attest to this, but we have parents in the room who, who will agree with me. Um, there's a connection there, and there's a love there that's, like, super weird, right? That, like, is not like anything else that's, that's ever existed. Am I right, parents? It's like this weird, all of a sudden, I would die for this, this, this thing that can't even talk to me. Um, I have a dog, so, you know, I've done stuff for him. You know, I've, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would necessarily die for him because he is a dog, but I think it shows the heart that Moses, Moses' mom had. And see, two things would have happened. If Moses' mom would not have placed him in the basket, he would have either been caught and killed before he fulfilled the purpose God had for him, or he would have survived and just not become all God wanted him to be. Because see, what you'll find as we go through the series and as we move later into the story of Moses, what we find out is that it was because he was found in the river gave him audience with Pharaoh. And Moses is ultimately the one who leads the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery. That was his purpose. But right now, he's not walking in his purpose. He's a baby found in a predicament. And for some of you, God has a purpose on your life that you can't even see yet because spiritually and even physically, you're stuck at home in a predicament that you can't control in an environment that you have no say in. Do you see what I'm saying? And I hope that you guys can maybe make the, the connection there that even in your predicament, there is a purpose. And even in your predicament, God watches over you. Whatever that thing you're holding on to, put it in the basket. Tell your neighbor, say, put it in the basket. All of you, all of you, put it in the basket. See, Moses' sister, now this is where I had to act it out a little bit. So what happens is, is Moses' mom comes along, she builds this basket, and then she pushes it off, right? And then she goes away and tells Moses' older sister, stay and watch. And so she goes by the river, and she's just standing there watching this, watching her little baby brother float away. If any of you have younger siblings, I don't, so I don't know what that feels like, but I would imagine it's difficult. And so she's watching, and she's watching over Moses. This, this sister is the perfect illustration of God watching over you. See, sometimes we think that God watching over us has to be this big, weird, divine thing that like we can't see and we can't feel and we can't know what's going on. God's provision and God's protection over Moses was literally found in his older sister, who the Bible says was a child, just simply keeping an eye on him. Because here's what happens. The, the, the basket that Moses is in washes up on the shore, and her, and her sister just kind of sits there and watches it. And then they see Pharaoh's sister come down and, and she begins to take a bath and all of her people are around and whatnot. And they see the baby. And her sister, I would imagine, it, it, there had to have been some conflict of like, this is Pharaoh's sister. Keep in mind, Pharaoh's the one who said, kill them all, right? So this is literally the chief enemy's younger sibling about to find this baby. You don't know what's about to happen. She could pick him up and kill him. She could pick him up and save him. You don't know what's gonna happen. And so she goes over there, she picks it up and the Bible says that Moses was crying like all babies do. And he picked him up, 
and she held him. And then immediately Moses' sister came running like out of the tall grass, like, hey, 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 that's a baby. That's a Hebrew baby. Do you want a Hebrew mother to take care of it? Because see, what would have happened is if, if she would have taken that baby back home, Pharaoh would have killed it. That's just what would have happened. And for some of you, if you step into your purpose too soon, it won't look the way you want it to. It won't look the way God wants it to because you've overstepped. And we'll find later on in Moses' life, he ends up overstepping his bounds. But Pharaoh's sister had to be the one to find Moses. This is not a coincidence. This is actually a setup for two reasons. Pharaoh's sister would have been the only person in all of Egypt who had the authority to look at a Hebrew child and determine whether or not it was allowed to live. Because you notice the Bible says that she was bathing and she had people with her. Now, I don't know what kind of friends y'all got, but if my mom said, growing up, perfect example, if my mom said, do this and you're grounded, y'all know what I'm talking about? And then you do it, you look at the friends who were with you and you did it and you give them that look of like, so we gonna, we, gonna, we gonna tell her that I did it? Or we not, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you have to have, you, you try and surround yourself with those friends who you want to have your back. And so when they're in this moment, Pharaoh's sister finds this baby, and I would imagine there would have been this look around of like, so what do we do now? Because we know what the order from Pharaoh was supposed to be, but it's a baby. And the Bible says that she felt for him. And so it's not a coincidence that it was Pharaoh's sister because Pharaoh's sister was the only one other than Pharaoh who was allowed to look at a baby and say, let him live, and nobody there would have questioned her. See, because if you ever had that one friend who's kind of a snitch, you know what I'm talking about? And if you're going to do something stupid, you don't invite them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you boys, y'all nodding your heads. You know what I'm talking about. Cody, you know what I'm talking about. And so it's not a coincidence that she would have found him. And then secondly, it had to be an Egyptian woman. So not only did it have to be Pharaoh's sister, but it had to be an Egyptian woman. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that it had to be nursed by a Hebrew woman. If another Hebrew woman would have found it, you know what she would have done? This is my baby. And she would have taken off running with it to try and keep it safe. And Moses would have ultimately probably died. But it was not a coincidence that the only person who could protect him was also the only person who couldn't take care of him. See, this is God providing for Moses' mother in this moment. It's not providing. The, the fact that she's Pharaoh's sister is provision for, for, for Moses. The fact that she's Egyptian is, is provision for Moses' mom. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the sister goes, you need a Hebrew woman to take care of that baby. And she says, yes, you're right. Go get his mother. And the woman who just sent this baby down the river is now getting it handed back to her with full protection. She never had to worry again, is this baby going to be taken away from me? And some of us, if we don't let go of what we're holding on to to give to God, God can never put his hand of protection on it. When me and Amanda first got married, I thought I was husband of the year. I still am. Uh, I just thought I was, then now I know I am. Um, but I can remember a moment in our marriage where I had to, I was so just trying to be in control to, to show myself and to prove myself as like, I'm this man, I can lead my home, I can provide for my family, I can do all the stuff. That I felt like my marriage was falling apart and the harder I tried, the more it felt like it was just this hot mess of crap on the floor. And then I remember one day just being like, you know what, God, you're gonna have to fix this because I've, I've, me having my hands all over to just jacked it all up. And, and I think, for some of you, the purpose that God has for you is found when you're willing to just say, you know what, God, I'm trusting you with this thing. I'm trusting you with this relationship that I have. I'm trusting you with this family that I've been given that maybe isn't ideal. I'm trusting you with this, this 
what I want to do with my life, what I, with the job I want to have, the career I want to go into, the friends that I want to run around with. I'm putting it in the basket and trusting you with it because you know what? If the basket floats off out of sight, that means that God doesn't want that for you. And if the basket gets picked up by someone who can give it back to you and give it back to you with full protection, then you'll never have to worry about it again. Does that make sense? So it had to be Pharaoh's sister to keep Moses alive, and it had to be an Egyptian to give him back to Moses' mom. And she raised Moses until he was old enough. The Bible says until he was done nursing. I don't, I don't know when that is. I think that's like, what, three months? Six months? How old is that? Like a year. Okay, so a year. Cool. Uh, when they start to do the, like, waddle thing. Uh, that's about how old Moses was. Hey, Jake, if you want to come hang out with me for a second. We're about to wrap up. Moses' family was provided for by, by God. And so the Bible says that when he was older, she had to take him back. And for some of us, what God has for you, how do I say this? Help me. The purpose that you have for you might be found in a little bit of pain and a little bit of letting go of some stuff. I didn't always want to be a pastor, and now I love it. It's the best job I've ever had. But I didn't always want to be a pastor. But to step into my purpose, I had to be willing to let go of some things. And for some of us to be able to step into all God wants you to be for the purpose, because we said it at the beginning, you have a purpose. To step into that, you might have to let go a little bit. And she raised Moses until he was older. And then in verse 10, it says, Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. For some of you students who say, well, you don't know what that feels like. I don't know what that feels like, but I know that Moses knows what that feels like. And it didn't affect his purpose. And whatever your life is like outside of here, I may not, I don't see everybody every day of the week. I get it, but I know the word of God. I don't know what it says. And it says that you have a purpose for your life, regardless of your predicament. And actually it's found there. Point number three, Moses' purpose was found in his predicament. Moses' purpose was found in his predicament. I love this. I was sharing this with Devin the other day because when I read it, it just I read over it like four or five times and then it, it just like God just punched me in the face with it. Because the Bible says that she gave, in verse 10, she gave Moses over to Pharaoh and let him go. Just let him go. And then the Bible says this, Pharaoh picked, Pharaoh's sister picked up Moses and it says, the princess named him Moses for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. The word Moses, the name Moses in Hebrew literally means to lift out. And so he was named based off his situation. See, in the Old Testament, they didn't come up with cute names because it looked good on Instagram. They named people off of the situation they were born into, or in even some cases, they would name them off of uh, the physical pain they went through in labor. Talk about a, a horrible name, you know? And Moses was named to lift out, not because of his purpose, but because of his predicament. And some of you think that the suffering you've gone through and the things that you've gone through are just issues that have come into your life, but your purpose is tied to your predicament. Because when you're able to push through that, when you're able to get through the tough parts of life, God uses you to reach back into that pit that you were in and help the next person out. 
His name literally means to lift out. And he was given that name because of his condition in the river. But he was given that purpose because of the condition of his heart. God knew when Moses was born, the Bible says that his mom looked at him and said, this is a special baby. And I think it's interesting that she had other kids. And most parents will never openly in front of all their kids say which one their favorite is. My mom waited until we all moved out. It's me, by the way. But she looked at this baby and said, there's something different about this baby. There's something special about this baby. And it's because God had a purpose on his life. And I will tell you, each one of you here, there is something special about you. And there is a purpose that God has placed on your life. And if you will stop looking at the predicament as, a, as if you're the victim of it, and start looking at the issues in your life and the things in your life and the situation you find yourself in and look for your purpose in them, God can catapult you to all new heights. See, Moses could have pulled the, I was adopted. They tried to kill me. I never met my mom. Although he did, he just doesn't remember it. He could have pulled any number of these cards. I never got to meet my siblings. I was an only kid. I looked different than the rest of the family because the Bible says he was Hebrew and he was raised by Pharaoh's sister in the palace. He looked different than everyone else. He acted differently than everyone else and he knew it. We'll learn about that next week. He knew he was different and he didn't even know what his purpose was yet. He just knew he was different. But what we know about Moses and what God knew about Moses and what God knows about you is that your purpose is tied to your predicament. And he wasn't the victim. If we could ever get to a place where we stop looking at our problems and asking God, why did this happen to me? And start looking at our life and saying, what do you want to do with me through this? I've, I've known some students for a while now, and I've seen some, some of y'all go through the highest of mountain peaks in your life. And God has been so amazing to your families. And then me and Amanda have held, held hands with students as they walk through the lowest parts of their lives. And in both, I see the purpose. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he did. And the purpose that he's placed on your life. If we'll get over the situation and look to the guy who's trying to use us. Your suffering, the bad things that you've gone through in life are never meaningless. I'm going to close with this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Anytime your life gets difficult, anytime your life, you wonder why. Anyone ever ask God why? Honestly, I ask God why every time my life gets hard. Because there's been times in my life where I've gone through pain and I've gone through suffering and I didn't know why I was going through it. And then I get on the other side of it and some some pastor tries to tell me, well, God has a purpose in your pain. That's just annoying, man. Can we just be honest? I know I just did all of that. But that's just annoying sometimes. When we get, well, but if we could ever get past the superficial, yeah, God has a purpose in your pain and we can really root down in the fact that whatever you've gone through in life, good and bad, God lets you go through it for a reason. And I know this is true because of this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Paul is writing and he says, To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, my bad, y'all. I was in the wrong chapter. Chapter 4, I was reading chapter 2. I was like, I'm trying to make that make sense, but it just doesn't make sense. There we go. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, though life sucks is what he's saying. 
our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Have y'all ever been in, in a moment and you feel like that pain is just going to never go away? Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you, if you haven't, um, call me after your first breakup. And, then, and I'm saying the first breakup that you didn't cause. They broke up with you. The number of phone calls I've, I've fielded, Amanda's been there. Uh, what do I do now? And I'm like, it's going to be all right. Give it like 24 hours. And they're like, I don't, I don't even know if I can make it through the night. And the next morning I text them, hey, you doing okay? Yeah, I'm great now. I've already actually, I've already talked to somebody else. And I'm like, that's your problem. But in the moment, in the moment, we can't see our purpose because we're focused on the predicament that we're in. We're focused on the issue that we have in our lives. And then Paul goes on to say this. He continues and he says, Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Have y'all ever seen wine be made? Anyone ever seen wine be made? So basically the way it works is they take these grapes or these olives, whatever they're making out of, and they just smash them. And they smash them and they smash them and they squeeze every bit of every bit of something that they can get out of it, all the all the liquid that they can and they can get from it, and then they do a whole bunch of other stuff to it. But it starts with taking something and just absolutely crushing it. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, when you face troubles in your life, when you face things in your life, it's going to crush and it's going to feel horrible. And you're going to feel like every bit of you is being squeezed out. And he says, in those moments, it's producing a glory that will vastly outweigh all the troubles. And that glory will last forever. Your purpose lasts longer than your predicament. Write that down. My purpose will outlast my predicament. And as you go through troubles in life, and as you go through things in your life, and you go, God, why? Know that you have a purpose. Moses had every reason to be the victim. And instead, he chose to be the victor. And then in verse 18, he says, So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Moses didn't know when he was given the name Moses, he would lead over 1.2 million people out of slavery and into freedom. All he knew is that he was adopted, found in a river, and given that name because they literally picked him up out of the grass. And some of y'all think, well, my life has no purpose, or it's not that significant. I'm not going to lead 1.2 million people out of slavery. You may not. Or there might be somebody else in this world. And as a matter of fact, I know there is. There's somebody in this world who needs to know what God has done in your life so that they might get through the valley that they're in. The Bible says that we overcome by two things. It's the blood of Jesus and it's the word of our testimony. Without, without the blood of Jesus, your words are just pointless and you're wasting your time. And sometimes people need to know not only that God sees them, but that they can make it through what they're going through because you've made it through it too. And if anyone knew what it was like to suffer a little bit, it was Moses. And he said, I still have a purpose. And so I want to pray for you guys real quick. I want you guys to close your eyes. And I want to pray. And I just want to ask God to show you and begin to reveal to you whatever purpose he might have in your life. And I want you guys to take this, this stuff that, that we've given you and not just 
remember it for a week or two and then forget about it, but let it grow deep down in your heart to where when troubles come in your life and issues come in your life and things hit you that you don't know why it's happening, you can trust in the God who says there's a purpose in your predicament. If you won't play the victim, you'll play the victor. There's a purpose there. So let's pray. God, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you see us. God, I pray that you would show us our purpose. God, that even if that's not a big, divine, life-changing answer, God, every day when we get up, show us our purpose for that day. God, what do you want us to do today? What do you want us to do today? Every morning when we get up, that should be the cry of our heart. God, what do you want to do today? And even if we're in situations that suck, God, we know that you see us. God, and you watch over us, just like the sister watched over Moses. God, and if there's anyone here who's holding on to something and they know deep down in their heart that if they would just let it go and give it over to you, God, that they could step into whatever it is you called them to. God, I pray that you would give them the faith to put it in the basket and let it go and give it to you, God. And if you want them to have it, you'll bring it back to them greater than it even was when they let go. God, and if you don't want them to have it, God, I pray that you let that basket just go away. God, so that we all might step into the purpose that you have for us. God, and so I thank you. I thank you that you've given us a purpose. God, if you wouldn't have, you would have taken us to heaven as soon as we give our life to you. God, and if there's anyone here who hasn't done that, God, anyone here who, who wonders, am I right with you? Don't let them leave here tonight without making that right with you. So God, we honor you. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening today. If you were blessed by this message or would like to pray with someone, let us know by email at info at launchpoint.church. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to hear more messages and be a part of what God is doing in Launch Youth.